You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. the celebration of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And part of what we're going to discuss tonight, Bezras Hashem, is why it is that it's specifically by Rashbi, specifically by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that we find the celebration when it comes to his Hilula, when it comes to his passing, by the Misa of other Tzadikim, by the death or the departure of the soul, the Histaklus HaNesham of other Tzadikim, we don't find such a thing. By Moshe Rabbeinu, we see by the time of Purim that it was a difficult time, that Haman was able to connect to that time of the death of a tzaddik. So why is it by Rashbi, by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Baal HaHilula, who were already in the, in the seven days of preparation, Kodem Lagba Omer. What is it about Rashbi that gives us the ability to look at death, to look death in the face, to look destruction in the face, to look loss, in the face, and instead of crying, and instead of being frightened, and instead of being bothered, and instead of being anxious, we celebrate, we dance, we light fires to illuminate the world. And I believe that part of the introduction necessary to understanding what's taking place when it comes to Lagba Emer is going to be understanding the Mida, the Svira that we're engaged in this week. That the Midah that we're working on this week is the Midah of Hod. The Midah of grandeur or splendor, but also the Midah of acceptance and awareness. And on a certain level, the acknowledgement of powerlessness. The Midah of Hod is different than the other Midos. When we started the series of Shiram, we spoke about how the seven weeks, the seven weeks of Svira Sa'imer, correspond to the seven lower spheros, the seven post-traumatic parts within ourselves and within the world, where it's our job to rectify the broken pieces, to clarify the broken parts, to build ourselves up again, to learn how to become whole out of a place of brokenness. But of all of the Midos, of all of the Sviros, of those seven Sviros of Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hod, Yisoid, and Malchus, Hod is the most vulnerable of them all. Hod is the most dangerous place, so to speak. Why is Hod a dangerous Svira? Sorry, Chevra. one second. Sorry about that. It's part of Hode to encounter frustrations and difficulties. I'm trying to figure out how to work a laptop with multiple tasks. We'll continue. 
Hod is dangerous for, on the one hand, Hod is the left leg. Hod represents the left side of things. Hod represents the reality that in Hashem's world, in the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created, that there are parts that look very light, parts that look very clear, and there are also parts that are not going to look clear. There are also elements that Hashem has placed in the world of concealment and constriction and hiddenness and doubts and difficulty. The typical way that the Mekubalim or Tzadikim make a distinction between the side of good or the side of bad, the side of revelation or the side of concealment is the distinction between the right and the left. The Yamin is typically associated with positivity, things that move lightly. The Sphiros on the right side are Chachma, the expansivity of the mind. Chesed, loving kindness that moves forward. Netzach, the ability to overcome difficulty. And on the left side, what we see is a very different arrangement. We see the Mayach of Bina, that constrictive mindset that breaks things into particular parts, no longer looking at the general quality of things, confronting contradiction. And then Gvura on the left side, the left arm, which is the might and the force of Yitzhak Avinu, that says there is judgment and there is a judge in the world. And then the left leg is going to be hoed. Because the left side represents those constricted areas, that darkness in the world, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed so that we can engage in Bechira properly, the left leg is vulnerable. And the first time that we see the left leg being affected as a result of its vulnerability, of its natural weakness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed in the world, is the encounter of Yaakov Avinu in that existential solitude in the depths of night in the darkness in that nocturnal space where light was no longer clear enough to show what was up and what was down Yaakov Avinu decides to travel backwards in order to retrieve those pachim ketanim those remainders that he left on the other side of the river and what he encounters is the Saro Shel Esav Sarosha Esav, whatever it means, means difficulty. However you want to interpret that concept, what it means is that Yaakov Avinu confronted the possibility of darkness in the world. Yaakov Avinu confronted the possibility of the loss of hope. Yaakov Avinu confronted the possibility of Yeyush. Yaakov Avinu confronted the possibility of what if Hashem is not with me, chas v'shalom. And this encounter, this nocturnal encounter with the negative, with darkness in the world, with the left side, Yaakov Avinu is victorious. Yaakov Avinu teaches us that for generations, our name, our name Yisrael, Shesarisa im Elokim v'natzach, that we battled with angels and we were victorious, that name is representative of the very deep fact that to be Jewish, to be a Jew in the truest sense means confronting difficulty and overcoming it. Means the awareness that the world is very often going to appear as if it's imperfect. And it's specifically our job to overcome that imperfection. 
but as the original encounter, Yaakov Avinu doesn't come out unscathed. He's Tzalua al Yurecho, he's limping afterwards. And where was he hit? He was hit on his left leg. He was hit by the Gid Hanasha. That left leg, that vulnerable spot of Hod, that place in ourselves which is the confrontation with our abject powerlessness, that's where Yaakov Avinu struggled. That confrontation with the realization that all I can do is say thank you, is express hoda'a, is to recognize that I haven't done anything on my own and that anything that comes to me is from beyond me. That place was difficult for Yaakov. And he doesn't come out unscathed, he comes out limping. And Hod ever since then has been damaged, has been hurt. And we see that this pigam, so to speak, this blemish in our ability to admit powerlessness, to truly surrender ourselves in the face of reality, in the face of that which is beyond us. It reasserts itself in the time of the Beis HaMikdash that in Megillus Eicha, when reading about the the kinos and the mourning that the Jewish people go through over the destruction of our home, over the loss of the ability to feel in the right place at the right time, the Pasuk says, Kol Hayom Dava, that the entire day was filled with despondency, with sadness. And the Zayar HaKadosh and the Ariza points out that Kol Hayom Dava, the word Dava, Dalid Vav Hey, is the same osios as hod, except it's backwards. That the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, our inability to move forward as a people, as individuals, emerges out of our frustrations that emerge out of our engagement with the Midah of hod, with the concept of surrendering ourselves, of our willingness to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge of everything, to say thank you even over the things that we feel that we have earned through our own actions, to recognize that even our emuna and our mitzvos and our Torah are nothing but gifts that come from God. That difficult space of true powerlessness is where we confront our destruction very often. Not our destruction, chas v'shalom, but the intimations of difficulty. The Pasuk also states that that my hod, my mida of hod, has flipped about upon me and it has become my own destroyer. So again, highlighting the fact that hod is a difficult space to find oneself in. And yet when we come to the celebration, the Hilula of Rashbi, we find that it's very specifically by hod shebahod, the splendor of splendor, or the acknowledgement of powerlessness within the acknowledgement of powerlessness, the surrender within surrender, that we engage in the highest moment of Svirasa Omer, that time where it's already difficult for us to even pretend that we're mourning still, that time where we're already celebrating Matan Torah, even before Matan Torah came, the day that the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying, and the question is, why is it that the greatest joy 
the Hilula of Rashbi. Anybody who's been to Meron, anybody who's been to the Hilula of Rashbi, to the Kever of Rashbi, understands very deeply that lo ra'a simcha meyamav until you've been to Meron. Someone who hasn't been to Meron doesn't truly understand or hasn't truly experienced the Jewish people doing their things. Meron is a maddening space. It's a, it's a, a space on fire, inflamed with joy that has no limit. That joy that knows no measurement. So why is it, the question they want to ask tonight is, why is it that that deep joy, that celebration of Ashrecha Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, why does it come specifically by the Midah of Hod, by this broken Midah, by this difficult Midah? And more importantly, in the Hod Shebhod, in the difficulty of difficulty. And so, Based on what we've been talking about until now, it should be a little bit clear to us what the answer is going to be. That if we want to truly understand where joy comes from, if we want to truly understand where a sense of mindful awareness of Hashem's presence in our lives comes from, then it should be clear that it only comes out of our engagement and our encounter with its opposite. That only a person who is willing to acknowledge the fact that sometimes I'm not going to feel okay. That sometimes Hashem is not going to be clear to me in my life. That sometimes I'm not going to know how to place the next foot forward. Only a person who is willing to look at those experiences and realize that those are also part of Hashem's engagement in my life, only a person like that can experience the celebration of Rashbi. Only someone who knows that even though Yaakov Avinu was perfect, as perfect as a human being could be, nevertheless, he limped away from his battle with Esau. Only someone who's willing to acknowledge that at best, all we can do is try. We can't be perfect. We can't encounter Saro Shal Esav and emerge unscathed. Not because we're too weak. Not because Chas V'Shalom Yaakov Avinu wasn't capable of obliterating and destroying Saro Shal Esav. The message of the encounter of Yaakov Avinu and the Sarosh al is that even Yaakov Avinu is going to walk away limping sometimes. There are going to be times where you fail. There are going to be times where you can't do it. That's what the Torah is teaching us by Yaakov. Not Chas V'Shalom that Yaakov was too weak and that also he fell. But even someone like Yaakov understands what it means to walk away limping. And that's where we get our name, Yisrael, that we engage with difficulty and we overcome it even though it hurts us, even though it doesn't feel good. And it's only somebody who has that awareness in their mind that is capable of understanding the joy of Rashbi, of understanding what Rashbi came to the world to teach us, of understanding what the Zayar HaKadosh is, of understanding what Pinimiya Satora is or what Kabbalah is. 
in the Hakdama to the Zohar HaKadosh, we find that Reb one of the Chavraya, one of the Chabura of Rashbi, before he became part of that Chabura, is trying to enter into the Masifta of the Rakia. He's trying to make it into that Chabura. He's trying to be accepted by Rashbi and his Chavra. And he tries and he's expressing different reasons and purposes for his entrance in. And then finally he gets it. He realizes that Rashbi is no longer alive. And he looks at the dust on the floor and he says, Afra, Afra. Dust, dust, how dare you? How dare you still exist after swallowing up such a tzaddik? Almost as if to say, how can the world exist without Rashbi? And what Rabbi hears, Me'achare Hapargud, what he hears unconsciously, spiritually, however you want to read it, is that anybody who wants to enter into this chamber, anybody who wants to join the Chavr of Rashbi, needs to be capable of saying that they have transformed Meriru into Matiku, bitterness into sweetness, and Chashucha into Nahura, and darkness into light. The prerequisite to be part of Rashbi's Chabura to be part of that world of the Zayar HaKadosh is to understand the feeling of darkness, is to understand the taste of bitterness, yet the willingness to transform that into sweetness. Anybody who hasn't learned the Zohar properly or at all, my bracha of a hedgeot, of a fool, is that open up a Zohar, Open up a, a, a Masok Midvash and start reading it. Don't be afraid. Zidachavar already said, he said, you know, they say that you're supposed to wait until you're Tahor and pure before learning Panimiya Satora. He says, how in the world are you supposed to be pure without learning Panimiya Satora? What the Zidachavar wanted, what the Kamarna Rebbe wanted, was for three-year-olds to be reading the Zayhar. The Chazonish and the Litvish HaGadolim also told us that learn the Zohar all day, but learn it as a medrash. And do it. Just read the words. What you will find is that the animating feature of the Zayar HaKadosh is wandering around at night. The Chavraya, the Chabura of Rashbi are never at home. They're never sitting settled in a base medrash. They're wandering and they're struggling with weird angels that are attacking them, or Arab donkey drivers who are offering them fares along the way or winds that seem to blow them off their feet. That's the world of the Zohar. The Zohar is a world of night. That those who are truly enlightened like the Zohar shall be illuminated like the stars. But stars mean nothing during the day. You need the balance of the darkness of night in order to allow stars to shine. This is where the Zohar HaKadosh was born. Chazal tell us in Masech Shabbos, Daflam and Gimel, telling us again of Lag Ba'omer, the 33rd day of the Omer, which is Rashbi's day. The entire story of Rashbi having to run to the cave, having to hide in the cave, out of fear for his life, 
Rashbi didn't want to be in a cave. Gemara tells us explicitly that Rashbi tried numerous ways to save himself before having to run to the cave. In order to taste of the Panimiya Satora, a person has to experience that Golus Hanefesh, that sense of Hechanani Ba'olam, where in the world am I? Where in the world are you, Hashem? How in the world can it be that I can survive my encounter with Asav? How can it be that I can handle my hod, my sense of power? How can it be as a human being that I could truly give myself over to you, Hashem? And Rashbi has to encounter these difficulties. And Rashbi suffers in that cave. And what do we see after Rashbi emerges out of the cave? When he comes out once again. Rav Pinchas, Rav Pinchas ben Yair, famous for his b'risa that Masil Sisharm is based on. And the Girsos and the Gemara are different, either it was his father-in-law or his son-in-law. He sees Rashbi, and Rashbi's skin is cracked. Rashbi's skin is broken. Rashbi's skin is about to fall off. And Rav Pinchas ben Yair cries and he says, Rebbe, Rebbe, oili shera isi bekach. Woe to me that I have seen you like this. Woe to me that I have seen the Butsina Kadisha, the holy flame, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, suffering. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai looks at him, he says, Oilecha, woe to you. Ashrecha shera isibikach. Praiseworthy are you that you have seen me as such. Sheimlo isibikach, lo haisibikach. If you didn't see me this way, I wouldn't have been this way. Rashbi understood that had I not gone through that crucible of difficulty, had I not acknowledged that darkness is also part of Hashem's presence in the world, then I would have never been zoichet to the secrets that I have been revealed in the cave. That cave, that darkness, that need to surrender, that need to acknowledge that at the end of the day, I have nothing but you, Hashem. That's what hod means. A person can acknowledge they're powerless in two ways. Either they can pretend and say, no, Hashem, you're in charge of everything, I'm powerless. Or they can reach their limit. Each and every one of us knows in our own lives, whether we have anxiety or whether we don't. And Chavra, I apologize for the sheer being roundabout today, but when it comes to Rashbi, I have a hard time keeping my thoughts straight. I'm trying to convey something real here. Each of us knows what it feels like when we find ourselves in those moments in our lives where we just don't know what to do anymore. It's no longer a question of human effort. It's no longer a question of, can I change my circumstances or can I not? It's when it dawns upon us that I don't know what's happening next. Now, it could be a relatively less severe experience, or it can be a severe experience. And Hashem should bless us all that it's always on the relatively less severe side. But we all encounter moments in our lives where there is nothing left to do. And those moments give birth to anxiety. Anxiety is the sense that what comes next will be overwhelming. What comes next will be too much. The Mida of Hod 
is the willingness at that moment where it feels too much to bow my head, to bend my back and say, even though it feels like it's too much, even though I have no idea how I'm going to get through this, even though I have no idea how this is going to change from darkness to light, I'm willing to accept whatever happens. That's the Midah of Hod. On simpler terms, it's the deep recognition that Hashem is in charge of everything. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they have this saying, they call it the serenity prayer. The serenity prayer reads as follows. It says that we ask God to grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Rav Kuk's Chusei also has a serenity prayer, Lahavdil. It's a little bit different. He writes it in Midos Ra'aya, in the Erech of Tikkun. And Rav Kuk writes that, Hashem, give me the strength to fix what I can fix. And in the areas that I can continue fixing, let me continue. Ad Ein Sof. But if I can no longer fix it, if I can't do anything about it, let me accept it. Let me be moida to the MS. Let me admit that you are in charge, Hashem. That's what hoda'a means. Saying thank you to somebody. Acknowledging our debt to somebody, as Rafutner teaches us, is also acknowledging that I couldn't have done it without you, Hashem. That powerlessness, that ability to bow our heads and say, Hashem, at the end of the day, after all of our efforts, after all of our maisim, after all of our chesed and our gavura and our teferets and our netzach, hoid shebahoid. There's nothing other than bowing ourselves to you, Hashem. Even our ability to bow ourselves to you comes from you. This was the life of Rashbi. Praiseworthy are you that you have seen me as such. Had you not seen me in difficulty, I never would have experienced these giluyim. When a person feels that the surface level is okay, when a person feels that everything is going as it should, there's no need to look deeper. There's no need to search for a hidden meaning. Because the outside makes sense. The nigla makes sense. What is it that forces a person into panemius? It's a recognition that the outside is no longer working for me. It's only when I'm willing to admit that something is broken on the outside that I can break open the surface and delve into the inside. It's only when chitzonius no longer settles me, no longer satisfies me, that I'm willing to take a look into Panemius. That's why Omek, the word Omek for depth is the same gematria as Gevura, as severity. That only a person who tastes severity of Gevura, of Yitzchak Avinu, understands that there's a depth to things. Part of the Kavanos of Lagba Oimer, and we're not going to go too deeply into the sugi because I don't know who's listening and I'd be happy to give a shir on, on this in depth if anybody wants to, to reach out to me afterwards. But according to the Arizal, the name of Hashem, the presence of Hashem, the representation of divinity, 
the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu expresses himself in our minds, in our lives, and in the world, in Lag Ba'omer, on Lag Ba'omer, is associated with the experience that Yaakov Avinu had with Lavan. That after Yaakov Avinu struggles with disproving Lavan and his trickery and finally marrying the two houses of the Jewish people, Leah and Rachel, and deciding that it was time to leave, Lavan chases him. And then Hashem frightens Lavan. And he says, you really have to stop. And at that point, Lavan, who is a shrewd businessman, agrees that there's a, a treaty that needs to be made. And so Lavan and Yaakov build a wall of rocks, symbolic of a treaty between the two of them, of a barrier between the two of them, representing the limitations. And Yaakov calls it Gal-Aid. V'lavan kara yagar shahadusa. And Lovan referred to it as Yagar Shahadus. Now when the Arizal discusses the Kavanos of Lagba Oimer, that word gal is fundamental to the experience of Lagba Oimer because Gal is 33, it's Lagba Oimer. It's the revelation of the testimony of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the Arizal already points out that that word gal is translated in Aramaic in the Torah. And so the Ariza already points out that there's something deeply connected between translation and Lagba Omer. Translation, Targum. Targum is the language that a person uses when things are no longer understandable. When there's some sort of hiddenness that I can't understand. I can no longer understand Lashon HaKodesh. I don't know how things are really in their essence. And so I'm forced to translate them to myself. I'm forced to try and explain them to myself in a way that maybe I can understand. The need for translation is only when I fall away from my previous level of being able to understand the original language. If I were brilliant, if I were truly deeply understanding, there would be no need for translation. Translation, Aramaic, is only necessary for a human being, for somebody who falls and no longer understands things in their original language. The entire celebration of Lagba Omer the entire celebration of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is a celebration of the human need for translation. That sometimes we fall away and we can no longer understand things in their original language. Sometimes we become confused. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we no longer know how things are supposed to be. And we are forced to experience translation taking something from its light and translating it into darkness, taking something from its original pristine state and applying it to a secondary fallen state of Yagar Shahadusa, of showing that 
the Zman of Lag Boimer is the Zman of bringing Targum into the Torah. Because Targum and translation is what it means to be a human being. We don't understand things face to face. We have no access face to face. Hashem no longer speaks to us pe'el peh. All we understand is achorai atatira. You shall see my back. The job of translation is to work from the bottom up. If Lashon HaKodesh is Hashem revealing his ideas to us from the top down in a clarified way, Targum is building our way up from the bottom back towards that original language. And on the one hand, Targum is symptomatic of our fallenness, of our brokenness, of our inability to understand. But on the other hand, what Targum tells us and this is Shaykh to Pesach Sheni, that even though I don't understand something the first time, even though I couldn't fully grasp something the first time, I can understand it by way of translation. I can understand it through Targum. I can understand it through the way that it is conveyed to me as a human being who is susceptible to failure. Targum, the Arizal, tells us is the Shem Gematria as Terdema, as being unconscious or asleep. It's our dream state, where things are no longer clear, where we don't know what's up or down, but we're given over some insight to try and make sense out of nonsense. What Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai does is he looks at this reality of Targum, he looks at the reality that as human beings, we are susceptible to failure and we can fall. And he says that not only is this not a weakness, but this is the deepest strength of the human being. And that's why the Zohar HaKadosh is written in Targum. The Zohar HaKadosh is written in translation, a fallen language, the language of Aramaic. It's not written in Lashon HaKodesh. It's written in a state of Terdema. The Zohar is a book of being unconscious. It's a book of waking ourselves up out of our unconscious and realizing that you can only understand the Zohar if you understand the bitterness and the darkness that comes about before the light. The Malachim don't understand Lashon Targum. Angels have no understanding of Aramaic, the Gemara tells us. Because angels don't understand what it means to have a Yitzhahara. They don't understand what it means to fall. They don't understand what it means to struggle with bowing down to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything is easy for them. And therefore, they don't understand the power of Targum. They don't understand the power of the language that comes out of darkness. But the Jewish people, we recognize. We recognize that it's specifically out of darkness that we can allow the deepest light to be shown. This is what we do in Shnayim Mikra V'yachat Targum, as the Vilna Gon points out. That it's not enough to read the Torah in Lashon HaKodesh. It's not enough to pretend that the Torah speaks to us on our best behavior. We have to read the Torah also on the level of Targum, on the level of our fallenness, on the level of our confusion. The Mitla Rebbe, the Admor Hamsoy, the second Rebbe of Lubavitch, quotes in the name of his father, the Balatanya, who quotes in the name of his teacher, the Magad of Mezrich, 
points this out in two places. He says as follows, and I don't know most things Balpeh, but this teaching I know Balpeh. He says that Ein Moisrin Panimia Satora. We cannot share Panimia Satora. Ella im Elu Shemagishim Hamarashreira Hativis Menurov. Except to someone who has experienced difficulty, despondency, anxiety from their youthfulness. What they refer to, the Mittler Rebbe says, as sabrachinkeit, as a sense of being broken. And he says that this is what Chazal mean when they write in the beginning of Maseches Chagiga, that ein moisrin maisim merkava, that we don't teach maisim merkava, ella lamisha libo doig bikirbo, except to somebody whose heart is worried within themselves. If we want to understand what Rashbi is teaching us, if we want to understand what Panimiya Satora is coming to teach us, we have to first and foremost admit, bow down to our humanity. Bow down to the fact that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what's going on. And that most of the time, the most natural feeling to feel is, Hechan Aniba Olam, where am I in the world? That anxiety, that bewilderment, that being stuck in a cave, that darkness, that bitterness, those are the prerequisites for Panimiya Satora. Each person according to their own humble level. This is not chas v'shalom to say that anybody should celebrate difficulty, but we should face it. Whenever we have those experiences, we need to face them. And that's when Panimiya Satora becomes valuable to us. Hod Shebahod is the acknowledgement that at the end of the day, I am powerless. I am entirely powerless. To quote the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous again, or the 12 steps of AA, the first step of AA, and I'm going to translate it in a different way now for Panimia Satora, is that we have admitted we were powerless over everything and that our lives have become unmanageable. That powerlessness, that hod, that bowing down, that moidim anachnulach, that willingness to understand that Hashem, at best we can only limp towards you, that's how we become part of the chavraya of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That's how we become the people who can celebrate the need for panemius. Of hoid shebahoid. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov writes in Sichos Iran, he says that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came to be metakein the Lashon of Targum. That's the end of his statement. That Rashbi's entire purpose was to rectify translation, to show us that as human beings, all we can do is translate. Hashem, even though we don't have access to the Panim El Panim, even though we no longer have a nevua and we no longer know exactly what to do in the next step or in the next moment, what we can do is we can translate our experiences. We can work from the bottom up. To end, and I'm not sure what time it is, but I kind of feel like I've said what I needed to say. The tzaddikim and the Zohar HaKadosh points out that the Aleph base can go in two ways. We can go from Aleph to Tuf, which is from the top to the bottom, from clarity into concealment. Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hevav, Zayin, Ches, Tes, Yud, Chaf, 
Laman Mem Nun Samach Ayim Pei Tzadikuf Shin Tov. Or we can go from the bottom up, from Tov to Aleph. Tov Shin Reish Kuf Tzadi Pei Ayin Samach Nun Men Lamed Chof Yud Tes Ches Zayin Vav Hey Dalad Gimel Beis Aleph. Those two forms of the Aleph Beis are Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad or Tov Shin Reish Kuf Tashrak. Targum is Tashrak. Translation is working from the bottom up. We start at the bottom and now we're here, as a famous Jewish poet announced, right? We feel ourselves at the bottom and we look upwards and we say, Hashem, how can I move up back to you? And we go from the tuf to the shin to the resh to the kuf to the tzadi to the pei to the ayin and weiter. The tour, the tour Shulchan Orach in Hilchos Musaf on Shabbos, says that Mashiach, Geula is Tolui, is contingent on learning the Aleph base of Tashrak, of learning how to move from the bottom upwards. As we find ourselves by Ikvasa the Mashiach, at the heels of redemption, our job is to look back up to the head and realize that even though we're at the bottom, we can move back to the top. And Be'ezru Hashem when we expose ourselves to the Zohar, to the world of Rashbi, to the world of Panimiya Satora, to the world of the Arizal, which is also rooted in these same teachings. The Arizal taught his teachings on the banks of the Nile River, in Golis Mitzrayim, in the depths of darkness. Panimiya Satora is always associated with moving from the bottom up back to the top. And that's how we can bring Mashiach into our lives both personally and collectively, by realizing that even when I no longer have access to the original language of panim el panim, the best I can do is translate. The best I can do is uncover the light that's hidden within the darkness and to find that deep truth within all of ourselves that don't say, woe to me that I live like this. Woe to me that we struggle. Praiseworthy are we that we struggle because the struggle allows us to break things open and find the light that emerges out of brokenness. And Be'ezus Hashem, we should be zaychad to really believe in the statement of Rav Aaron HaGadol Mekarlin, of Misha Ma'amin Be'erebi Shimon Bar Yochai, Yeshlo Chizak Be'erebi Shimon Bar Yochai. Someone who believes in Rashbi has strength from Rashbi. At the end of the day, as our tzaddikim have taught us, the best we can do is strengthen our amuna, And amuna is only possible when there's darkness. Bezos Hashem, we should learn how the hoid shebehoid, that lowest place within us, is also going to be nishapich, v'nahapichu, that it will transform into the highest place within us. As Rabbi Nassim writes so often, that yeshin yan that there's a form of understanding Hashem that allows us to transform all darkness into light. Okay, Chavra, thank you. I hope this made a little bit of sense. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.